Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast being recorded on a rainy, chilly fall day. You know what? I'm good with uh, the rainy, chilly fall days when they happen on Mondays, my recovery day of the week. Yeah, I guess it's easy to be tough and uh, and say, you know, you're training hard in the fall weather, but we'll see how this week goes. You know what? I had my first official like hard training in fall weather moment this weekend. I had uh, my long run started out with a little bit of drizzle, just a tiny bit. So I threw on my raincoat, still had my shorts on, probably mid 40s for, for those who speak Fahrenheit, low 10s for those who speak Celsius, I guess. And then I started heading up towards the trails, uh, up a like 300 meter climb. Halfway up the climb, I was like, huh, this rain is starting to feel uh, a little heavy, weird. Maybe it's like a little bit of hail. It's probably fine. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to the top, I could like not see ahead of me because it was a snow squall. So I got not only my first crummy fall weather, I got my first crummy winter weather. Right, right. Well, I hope everyone is doing well and adjusting to the changing of seasons. You know, we, t- we have the seasonality in training. Uh, which I think is good to embrace, right? As, as consummate athletes, that is part of our thing, right? We like cross-training and bringing in different sports and being put together as far as our, our clothing and, and having you know the, the gear, right? And we accumulate this over years. It doesn't happen instantly, but that is the skill. The, the, the consummate athlete is, is you know one who embraces the situation there in the context, right? And sort of thrives in that, right? Yeah. And this is, this is not an end point, but a, you know, a process, right? We're I didn't have fenders for like the first 15 years of my training. I don't know how I did these thousand hour years, but when I found the fenders, I was like, oh, this makes more sense. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, at first I was like, oh no, it's snowing. This is crap. And then I was like, wait a second. It's snowing. This is awesome. And the trails were super slippery and just kind of gross. And I just tried to get back into my like kiddie mindset of jumping in puddles and right. just generally having fun. And it's amazing what sort of making a conscious attitude adjustment during those is. I think our friend Mandy had said to me once back when I was mountain biking with her and I was absolutely terrified on some of the trails. She said anytime she thinks, ee, she tries to change it to wee. And that just completely changes her whole feeling about whatever she's about to tackle. So I always think about that whenever I'm getting a little grumpy with the situation. I try to think, how can I be more Same. wee? It's the next book title is E to Wee. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> it's also our relationship book or something. It's what does that w- mean? W-E. I don't know what E is going to stand for. Oh, but yeah. Well, I was thinking it's like the, you know, no I and team or. Yeah. Yeah. We to me or yeah. me, me to we, I think is yeah. the like catchphrase, right? Yeah. Well, so the other thing I was just thinking about, and I had posted about this over on my Instagram is a while back, I started carrying just my very packable rain jacket in my hydration pack. And a couple weeks ago, as the temperature started to get a little lower, I decided any run over an hour, I'm just going to bring my hydration pack, even though I normally wouldn't bring it for those sort of eight to 10 mile runs. So that like hour 20 and lower, I wouldn't bother. 
But now I'm bringing it for every one of them because I have my raincoat in there and my little pair of, uh, what do you call them? The marathon, like the dollar store gloves. Like, like one size little... fits all gloves. Yeah. yeah. So I just have those shoved in my hydration pack. And I honestly think if you're, if you're new to sport, one of the best things you can buy for yourself is a packable raincoat because it can work as a, a windbreaker, just kind of an extra layer. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can shove it in your handlebar bag or your, you know, jersey pocket or whatever, I think it's, it's just one of the most useful pieces I, I've ever had. I have a, just a gore one and I've had it for a few years now and that thing is worth its weight in gold. I love it. Yeah, they're pretty versatile for sure. It's, I was pondering that, like what would be the, you know, maybe you assume, I mean, for runners, I guess, assume you have shoes and then, you know, what would be the, the thing you would get next, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. And then for cyclists, I was like, well, maybe you assume you have a helmet and shoes, you know, or whatever shoes you use and the pedals, you know, that you have on your bike. Then like, what is the first thing you get? Right? I think in both situations, it's shorts, like a comfy pair of bib shorts for a cyclist, a comfy pair of run shorts for a runner or tights, depending on the time of year. But then second would actually be the raincoat. Because I think you can get away with pretty much any layer on top, especially as sort of a newer rider or runner. But when it rains, it sucks. Or when it gets colder, it sucks if you don't have the appropriate top yeah. layer. Yeah, I think something like a vest or a good raincoat. And then I was, I just got new lenses from, you know, the big company that makes sunglasses. Um and I don't know, the difference in a good set of lenses is, you know, and I don't want it to be the way, but it's just night and day so to speak um and we've experimented yeah. with this like we've been trying the past couple of years we've tried a few of the the super cheap pairs off of amazon no and it's so important for mountain biking especially but i think i think trail running as well and then you wonder you know do you get headaches and stuff from the different you know the the, the light being refracted or bent i don't know i don't know but it's it's worth it i think i think i agree and i I wanted to be able to say that there was a $30 pair of sunglasses that was just awesome. Uh, But I think you're right, especially the faster your speed. So I think for running, you can get away with sort of the cheaper pairs and that's fine. But I think as you get up in speed, so road cycling, mountain biking, any of those, you actually do really need a good pair. Mm -hmm. And then if if you don't keep them on, which I never keep them on, but the, the, when they're decent quality, I find I can keep them on longer, you know, during workouts or races or, or what have you. And so it's like, you know, you're getting these to wear them, maybe to protect your eyes from light or debris or, or what have you. So I, I don't know. I think that's, that would, I was thinking that probably glasses would be the, the thing I would get first. I'd just ride in track pants to start off. And Very nice. I mean, because you're starting, right? So yeah. you maybe aren't riding that much. But anyhow, yeah. maybe the listeners have some ideas for for what they might get first. I do. I would make the argument maybe that if there's one, if you don't have a huge budget for sunglasses i'd actually go clear glasses because you can get a cheap pair of those oh, and you i should don't have say to... that i would get clear yeah i only get clear but the clear lenses you can go on the cheap side and it's okay but just make sure you don't get the clear that fit like that get darker as the sun comes yeah. out those are bad news so the ones i get from the big company that makes sunglasses they are the uva uvb uh, right and right. there's two i have one set that's sort of pink like just slightly pink you don't even really see it and then the other one's actually clear, but they have the, you know, because I always picture you get these cheaper ones and then are they, you know, are they magnifying the, the sun's rays or something? I don't know. Um, you're probably not wrong that you could probably get safety glasses or something and it'd be fine. But there you go. So there's your mind, uh, you know, your, your on the next ride, ask your friend, you know, what would be the first thing you would get? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know how much range you would get in that. Well, on that note, we actually just posted an article last week uh, all about just making your sort of gear wish list once you're done with your season this year. 
Uh, and I think we actually touched on it a little bit last week too. This is a great time of year to be dropping your bike off at the local bike shop for your tune-up. It's a great time to be making any repairs that you need. It's a great time to just make that list of things that you wish you had during the season or things that have worn out during the season or you've run out of during the season. Uh, and I don't mean you have to buy them all right now. You don't need to have a $6,000 credit card bill right this second or anything sure. like that. But having that list, I think, actually helps you not go off track and off budget later. Uh, well, and getting stuff that matters, right? Like, again, I think the glasses are a big piece. Um, you know, there's just all these different things that, and again, this is seasonal. I'm not suggesting everyone needs to spend tons of money. I know there's limited budgets, but there are things that make a difference uh, as far as your performance, right? So it might be this year you didn't have the right tires. Or this year, I was talking to a younger kid, he only has slick tires, or, you know, fast tires, but then he, he's not great in the mud. Well, you know, <laughs> tires are important. There to you that. go. Uh, you know, maybe you haven't jumped to tubeless, or maybe you don't ever have check your tire pressure, which is also important, right? So now you need to get a gauge and, and play with the gauge, learn to use the gauge over the fall. Uh, and, and, you know, this time of year, sometimes I'll get pushed back from, you know, the hard driving endurance athletes I coach and they're really motivated and they're, they're nice to work with because they're so motivated. They want to train, right? But then you have to hold them back and that's your job as the coach. But this time of year, you know, the races are quite a far distance away. So, you know, we don't need to be, I, I think we should start training when you can start training You take some time off, you start training. But we don't need to be driving things super hard as far as volume or intensity. I think it's a good time of year for fun. Skills would be a, an important one while you can do your sport, if you can still do your sport, you know, mountain biking and snow and so forth. Uh, but what you're talking about, Molly, is this, you know, accumulating, you know, it could be shopping. It could be the bike being in for service. You know, maybe you're spending time doing the service, which is, you know, can take a long time if you're taking it apart. I have a few clients that are very good mechanically, but that's, they could kill a whole week taking their bike apart and polishing sure. it. So do that. Right. And then it's done. Right. We're not, now we're not taking our bike apart. when We actually need it. And we're supposed to be racing and not taking things apart. Right. And risking them coming apart in the race. Yeah, exactly. And I think I said it last week. I'll say it again. It's also getting into that holiday gift giving season. So if anyone, you know, Glassford over here is very difficult to shop for, but having sort of his gear wish list for next year, knowing what he needs to go into next season, uh, my my Christmas shopping for him is a lot easier. Uh, so you could maybe help people in your family out by giving them a really helpful suggestions of what you actually need and will use. So I feel like most of my gifts are fifty dollar textbooks or like hundred dollar textbooks. Yeah, it's very weird. The I had one more thing about time of year. Uh, and then health, right? That's the other piece, you know, that we're sort of touching in on here as far as, you know, we just ordered uh, some blood testing, you know, so we haven't had it done in about a year or so. Um, so we got that done. So the health is the and medical appointments, you know, hopefully you don't have to do a lot of these in your life, but it, it takes a lot of time. No, I always say the off season is like the perfect time to get in sort of your annual, whether it's dentist, OBGYN, just regular physical at your doctor, naturopath, any of these sort of more normal things that you don't get to during the season because, you know, frankly, you're busy and your extra time is dedicated to training and race prep and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I you're just not thinking of it. Right. And then tied in with that, you know, we're talking about health and I just started, you know, I had my crash, which we didn't talk a ton about my crash, but maybe we will today. today we're talking more about it. Um, and thank you to everyone who's reached out. I, I guess it's so funny hearing you on client calls because like the first thing everyone anyone so asks stressed. you. So stressed for me. So, I mean, thank you to all and much love. Um, I, I'm OK, uh, but, you know, I crash pretty hard. That's mountain biking. Uh, so, but then I'm also an adult and I've also mountain biked and I'm getting, you know, towards that forties. So things are starting to hurt. So, you know, I've committed, I have a few clients doing this with me, you know, onto this three months of, of just like really rebuilding, you know, the body sort of strength training, right. And it's nothing, it's just strength training. Um, 
but with the target of just getting the body working again, right? We're not rushing anything. We're taking three months, you know, on this right before we're, you know, doing anything really fancy. Uh, but that's, you know, well, I'm not riding my bike, right? And it's hard. Some days it's been, okay, I'm going to do my strength training and not go for that run or that bike I want to go for uh, because this is important now. And yes, I don't, and you're super fun to be around on I, those afternoons. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to, you know, you might do strength throughout the season, but I don't want to be making that choice because my shoulder hurts or my ribs are broken, you know, in season, right? So what can we do now that we don't want to be doing then, right? That's sort of the idea. Again, this is doctor's appointments, you know, brand new gear, taking our bikes apart mm-hmm. so that's fall yeah oh and, on and that the was note, a listener question you know we have a couple of those so the sorry on the note of the blood testing though uh we have been using inside tracker they were a show sponsor and you can still actually get 25 percent off right. tests uh, and that's inside tracker.com backslash consummate uh, and you can just enter the code consummate at checkout 25 percent off which is an awesome deal um and actually uh little little extra bonus tip if you use Rakuten the online coupon clipping uh extension you also get an extra four percent off okay well we've become i don't know what type of podcast this is now but it's a <laughs> some sort of coupon clipping podcast yeah, coupon clipping podcast there you uh, go. Yeah, so we just you know we just ordered it it's super easy and the thing i realized is also you don't have to use your blood test you don't have to order it like right away you can actually order it and you know wait on it and then activate it really at any point so if you if were right saying now maybe just, you're traveling or yeah. abnormally stressed for training or work or something it's one of those if you're thinking about it you can always book it now and take the test later okay great uh, and they have gift cards so if someone in your life needs uh if you think someone in your life could use it this is a great uh, great gift to give um I, I actually just I got Peter his inside tracker as a, a little there you go. from me to you present. Yeah. So yeah. there your, we go. Your husband's grumpy, so you're sending him for blood work. I see Pretty how this much. is working. Yep. <laughs> uh, good, good. So that was again there's sort of the listener questions around and client questions. You know, common uh, frequently asked questions here is is around sort of like what are we doing in the fall? It's the off season. You know, do I just sit on the couch, right? And yeah, you should probably do that. Read, you know, do things you you miss, but all those things we were just talking about are. are quickly going to fill your week and not leave you nearly enough time to ride uh, or run. So there you go. So we have other listener questions though this week, I believe. Uh, Yeah, a few things and a a couple things that are sort of just going through our heads, kind of been big topics of conversation for us lately. Uh, And the first one I really wanted to touch on, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts just because I've had a lot of long runs and it seems like a lot of the motivational type podcasts and even some of the sport podcasts, I'll say, the idea of do one more, do 10% more, do what you say you're going to do and then go that extra mile. And in this case, they mean it literally. Um, or they're, they're trying to be figurative about work and life, but they keep using training as this right. example. So the one I, I, I've now heard like several times is, oh, you have a you have a five mile run, go six. You have three sets at the gym, do four. Mm-hmm. Um, and while this is a lovely motivational rhetoric, uh, it's also, I'm gonna argue, hugely problematic for people who are currently following a training plan. Right, right, which may actually, you know, gradually progress things but you know we had greg layman on talking the one time he was on there talking about the acute chronic ratio which is you know people will be familiar with the concept from chronic training load and acute training load in their training peaks accounts or whatever accounts you use sort of this idea of you know load management right and and the idea is you know oh you did too much too soon right now that's why your knee hurts or you got sick and so the the rule that greg sort of like 
it was pushing against was this 10% thing, which sounds good to say, but it doesn't make any sense. Like the when you, exponential math makes no well, sense. Well, on, on either on end, it. right? So it's like the, the person starting is at zero, number one. So, you know, you They'll have, just to, never you get have to overcome that. So you go to one, but then it's, you know, one dot one or, or like what, what would that be, right? Like 66 minutes, you know, the next. And I think there's probably something to that. You know, it builds, I guess, gradually. But then, you know, you're 100 miler a week. So now you're doing 100 miles a week. So next week is 110, right? So it, it obviously sort of falls apart. And the, the message is good. You know, you gradually progress. But there's also something to be said for staying where you are for some time, right? You know, doing better at the level you're at. And so it's not really clear what you do with the acute chronic ratio. So that's, you know, this 10% idea probably applied across all spectrums you know strength training and, and training is easy because it has hours harder when you're talking about your work life and that's why everyone uses training as the example right, right. which so, is just like infinitely frustrating so i wonder if it's like similar to that that criticism of the 10 percent uh work uh what is it? load management or, or what, what was i called acute chronic ratio uh maybe it's similar that like just throwing out 10 percent isn't really helpful like yeah, so, so like what yeah. is that what is the message right is like you know gradually progress um, you know, try and work harder. But I guess what you're pushing against too is this idea that the answer is always to work harder or longer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rather than necessarily even working better or actually just sticking to the plan. I would, I would make the argument for a lot of people, just sticking to the prescribed plan is much harder than... For the long term, for sure. Yeah, yeah. than that, like, I'm going to go ham Finish for this week and do... 10% more or whatever. And frankly, it's just, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. Well, and there's a few ways, um, you know, a few different people talk about this, but this idea that, you know, okay, the, the pros do say 18 hours a week or whatever the number is. But the other thing the pros do is they probably balance that with massage and naps and, you know, and food not preparation. And 50 hours of Honestly, work at the office. Honestly, it's having been there, like it's the meal preparation and, and time to eat which sounds, you know, oh, poor you, but you'll hear that a lot from endurance athletes, especially, but you know, even the gym athletes who are just, you know, trying to build mass, it's so much time and it's just, you get bored of it basically, right? I will never get bored of eating, number one, but number two, oh my gosh, we were just over uh, with our niece yesterday and I got back from a run and she was there and I was just like, I don't understand how parents do this. I had to bolt down food. And right. I, at one point I had her and DW both sitting on my lap as I was trying to eat my snacks. And right. And that gets rough. into, so that gets into like the pro, you know, arranges life around the training, right? The training is the most important thing. Whereas for most people, it's non-negotiable. You know, you have life, right? You have nine to five, you have these kids. So it, it's hard to balance that nutritional need and the, and the recovery need, right? Like the, you, you essentially, you know, the one thing I remember is like, you sort of need to rest for the time that you were out training, right? So if you do a three hour, like you're maybe, you know, before you go out, you're on the couch vegging out for a bit and then you're, you know, vegging out afterwards, right? And it's sort of this mental and physical rest required, right? And that's not life for, you know, most of the people listening to our podcast, which is fine. But that's, that's the idea is when you increase the training, there sort of has to be increased rest and nutrition and all this stuff, right? Maybe that's a, like that's maybe the catch there is like, okay, you want to increase your training by 1% more than what you were going to do? You have to increase your recovery by 1% more than what you were going to do. Well, or I wonder if the time for most of us is actually spent on the recovery or, or the play, right? Dan John has this like work, it's like a, a spiral as he calls it, like spiraling out. 
but it's it's sort of this you know cross almost thing dan john you know does have the the biblical leaning uh where it's work rest pray and play right so there's a spiritual element which could be walking meditating you know time with friends whatever you like uh, but the rest the play and then the work right and work could be a variety of things that could be the training that could be actual work uh, and so the idea is that it might be you know extra nap time extra sleep time might be the actual way to progress for a lot of us uh, versus you know squeezing in right i often have clients will say oh i can fit five hours in on a saturday and then you find out it's from 4 a.m to 9 9 a.m right uh before the family gets up on saturday and it's like, ah, that's right. that's not really a five hour <laughs> you know i don't know if that's quite the idea for saturday right so so we, we you know you, you you fit what you do and, and some of these solutions are not perfect but you know there's probably maybe we go like eight to nine or or seven to nine you know versus 4 a.m on a saturday right? yeah I think the last note about the like pros versus like the the average person i guess the rest also, of us the rest of us the pros are not adding arbitrarily one percent or ten percent or one more to their training plan they're doing their training plan train like the pros don't don't add extra stuff that you don't actually have on the plan yeah, and it's interesting, you know, it's such a, again, it's a, it's an easy thing to say, but then it's, you know, maybe there is a little bit of that, like maybe if we refer back to like the Steven Seiler idea of the accumulating minutes, right, in our training. So it might be maybe you've been doing a lot of these maximal like vomit workouts uh, or, or Strava attempts, right, you're like one by five minute as hard as you can, but you're not really doing interval sets, accumulating minutes, right? So Steven Seiler might say, okay, well, you've been doing one four minute effort in your ride, uh, but what if you did four by four and just slowed it down uh, just a titch, 90% instead of a hundred percent. Right. And then that was a lot of his work was that, you know, the idea of accumulating minutes. So indeed you could do 10% more, but are you willing to slow it down 10% as well? Well, and that's a, that's a prescribed like training concept, not just you went out and you did 10 miles. So you're going to do one extra for no apparent reason other than a motivational podcast told you to go 10% more. Well, and not to refer back to too many podcasts, but, uh, Mr. Sweet Spot, uh, Frank Overden, when he was on, he, he has something, you know, everyone knows FTP, but it, his is sort of like follow the it's FTFP, I believe, uh, follow the effing plan, uh, <laughs> is the answer to most questions. Right. So indeed it might be, you know, follow the planet and to the conclusion right to see if it worked for you as well so mm-hmm. and the plan probably has progression right you're probably doing a little bit more sweet spot or a little bit more whatever you know each week so yeah so that's that so you, okay so, so, that's so that. what, did, what was the conclusion there is maybe you know think about adding 10 percent to the recovery the play uh the sleep well, just think critically about sort of some of these cliche chunks of advice right uh, rather than just getting really excited about the concept because I know I'm I'm a hundred percent guilty of hearing that stuff and getting stoked and like, oh yeah I should go hard or do, do xyz and then I end up very hurt so just I think a lot of people are driving hard I mean I liked your idea too I guess the other piece is you know say we do want to charge harder on something like you know, there's maybe only so many hours in the day or so much energy and we're probably all pretty maxed out if we're honest, but it might be, that's, you know, the, the idea of, you know, setting the goal and, and maybe this year we focus on this particular goal and, and then save the other ones for another part of the season or another, right? So it's maybe you could go 10% more running, but it might mean less biking, right? Or, or I talked about my strength there in the intro, right? I'm doing yeah. more strength going harder on my strength, but less biking, less running. Mm-hmm. Oh, which actually leads very neatly into our next sort of question, sort of uh, contentious debate. 
my favorite kind of question slash thing. Um, and this one, a lot of people are getting into strength training. As you said, it's the off season for most of us. So a lot of people are starting to add it to their, their workouts. And I've been hearing again, a lot from different people I'm talking to hearing it on podcasts, um, strength training for runners in particular, but this also would apply to cyclists. A lot of the time I'm hearing about strength training for runners, it is all trunk down. So everything I'm hearing is just like calves, quads, glutes, maybe some mention of core, but not a single word about arms. So I wanted to talk about the concept of off-season strength training. And I mean, I know it's a little bit about the goal that we're training for. So it doesn't really matter if you can do pull-ups if you have a goal of being a marathoner. However, I tend to think about strength training for athletes, especially endurance athletes, as less about necessarily making their their running or their cycling better. I think about it making them more injury-proof, that making them just stronger, healthier humans rather than stronger, healthier runners. Sure. So, uh, I mean, you actually kind of alluded to it with your point about the crash and the ribs and the shoulders. Um, so do you want to sort of speak to this better, maybe more whole body, holistic strength training versus super sport specific? Yeah, you'll probably see running and road cycling, right? You're going to see people, you know, oh, what are these? I don't want to swing heavy arms, right? Um, and I don't know that most people, like it's very hard to develop muscle, especially when you're endurance training. Speak for yourself. Right? So this is the like, oh, I don't strength train because I get really muscular sort of myth, right? And it's like, it's, again, we talked about the strength training guys, you know, and, and women who are trying to get bigger and accumulate muscle. And, it, you know, it's like a full-time job to be eating, Right. And they're just piling on food to try and actually accumulate mass. Right. It's very expensive to do that uh, from an energy standpoint, also a food standpoint, I guess. Uh, so all that to say, you know, the way I, I would think about running, if you said, OK, I'm a runner and I don't want to use my arms. Right. Well, it's going to get hard to hold you know, a significant weight if we're deadlifting and actually driving deadlifting that heavy. Right. Uh, so that would be my one thing is, you know, probably the deadlifting would take care of some of the arm strength, but. You know, I, I would rather see, even if it was just, you know, accessories at the end or, or between, you know, in a superset, uh, just to maximize the time in the gym, I, I think you would use your arms. Uh, but the probably the more, if someone really wanted it to be sold to them for running, I would be concerned about like extension, like range of motion. And, and you know, if you can't put your arm behind your body well, because you're always on your computer. Then you can't drive it back. Yeah, that's what running is, right? Is like this extension, hip extension, you know, your leg going behind you and then the arm going behind you. Uh, and I just had a panic that I confused flexion and extension. I think I'm right. So extending behind you um, is important, right? So this is, you know, if we're doing a dumbbell row or something, right? We're, I always say we're putting our thumb in our armpit, right? You're pulling your arm back and thumb in the armpit. And then if you're doing a push up, a really good push up, right? Then again, that thumb is almost ending up in that armpit. So, I don't know. I think from a range of motion, I, I'd be, you know, if you're in the gym, you may as well do it. It's, you know, it's really not that much extra time. Yeah. I'm not saying we should all be doing like bicep curls or bench pressing or anything. Just literally a few minutes with, yeah, some rows, some push ups, overhead press. I just think all of that is really like future proofing you 
towards having a, a healthier, happier body that can, you know, lift to put the jars on the, the high shelf or like sure. get the instant pot or, down Or, you know, you're going to trip, even roadrunners, right? You're, you're tripping here and there, right? And I, I don't know. I, I worry about the athleticism of just not being, you know, used to being on the floor and taking load again in sort of a push-up. Or I, I don't think there would be anything wrong with bench pressing. That's one of the standard things, right? So one of the standard lifts. So I don't know. I, I But that's my bias, right? Again, a lot of the studies, you'll see them only talk about uh, you know, two or three strength training moves uh, for the legs, right? And, and it's, again, they're sort of targeting and taking all their measurements off of the legs, right? And I don't know if that informs practice, uh, you know, as well. So yeah. some of it's a time thing, but yeah, again, I, I would probably just do it because you're in there. If you're going to strength train, you may as well do the whole thing, but... I just figure a few push-ups here and there is just not a not a bad thing. Sure. So anyway, just thinking about the whole body when you're strength training versus thinking totally sports. Well, and even you'll see you, you, when you mentioned this to me, you talked about they, some of them people were talking about doing core and stuff, right? And then it's you know, well, what is core? You know, if you're doing a, a good strong push-up, are you doing a plank while you're doing that push-up? So you know, is it more bang for your buck from that perspective? Yeah, I don't know, right? Could you be doing that a TRX row or something, right? Where you're sort of there's some core elements in there and learning to you know, use your body as one piece. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's, there you go. There we know. go. You have okay. to see. On to the next here. Uh, and this, this is sort of a bigger, t- our bigger topic for today is just how to bounce back from a bad race. So we talk a lot about, and we talk about this in our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, the whole idea of having a goal and getting from your point A to your point B, having your plan, whatever. But what happens when the point B doesn't go the way that you necessarily wanted it to? Uh, And this happens. I mean, honestly, we wouldn't be in endurance sport, I don't think, if it didn't happen. Because if every race you did was going exactly according to plan, uh, if you, you know, won every race or PR'd every race, you'd get bored, Mm. right? Like, there'd be a point where it just, it wouldn't be fun anymore because, you wouldn't have a challenge. So I think in that way, bad races are actually sort of a blessing in disguise. They might suck in the moment, but I think without them, most of us would probably be out of the sport if there was no room to improve or nothing to like think about for next time. Sure. And, and I think when we are really disappointed and it's, you know, really we're questioning whether we want to do the sport anymore. I think that's probably fine to question it, but we want to make sure that, you know, when we're setting these big goals that they're actually pulling us in a direction we'd want our life to go, right? So the time we're spending on the bike, hopefully with friends, the type of riding we're doing. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, there's that one post I always refer to as the, you know, can you prepare for the goal that you've set and do you want to? I'm going to say, I've always added that caveat of do you want to? Yeah. And so you'll have the classic example of someone wants to do, you know, the Leadville, it's at altitude, it's a mountain bike race, but you only ride on gravel roads basically in it, uh, you know, lots of climbing, but then the person, you know, only wants to do road rides and ride on their, you know, trainer and never leave the city. Um, you know, so you can do it, but it doesn't sound like that's the type of riding you want to do, right? So is there a better, you know, maybe you like crit racing or something, uh, you know, or, or road triathlon or time trial or whatever. Right. So just think, you know, this goal, did you want to do it? And if so, I think probably for a lot of people there is, then we want to go to sort of our myth of stress. You know, we had, uh, Andy Bernstein on and he was speaking to that process of you know what are the should statements right so I should have done better at this race okay okay well you know can you give me reasons why you should have done better at this race and then okay okay um you know how much do you believe that 
and then sort of as you work through the process, it's like, well, can you give me, you know, let's just assume here there's reasons that you should not have done that well. Can you list reasons, you know, you argue against yourself there, right? So this is my favorite part of it is I get to argue against myself. Yes. And then you can argue for yourself back from <laughs> against yourself and then against yourself back from for for against yourself. So, so if I look at, you know, you wanted me to talk about my nationals race, right? So I crashed. I actually had a decent start and was decent, um, you know, with the fitness I had this year. I wasn't expecting a ton, but given you know, your usual crap starts, you actually had a fabulous start. Uh, and, and yeah, and so I haven't been out of the top ten, I don't think, since 2011. So ten years in the elite race. Uh, so this was the first nationals that I DNF'd. So also out of the top ten. So it was, it was tough, right, in some ways. But at the same time, I didn't. There was a long time of this year I didn't even really plan on going. Uh, and you know, I just didn't train as much this year, right? We've been doing, you know, work's been going really well, coaching's been going well. So, you know, if I look at reasons why I should not have done well, I mean, a, I'm getting older, it's getting more competitive. Uh, I didn't race really most of the year. I, I got in a couple sort of weekly races, and you know, what would we do an eight hour? Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. It's like, would you would you really even count that uh, as nationals prep in any way? Yeah, yeah. So just you know, there's a lot of reasons why, and then from those those aren't excuses but these are rational you know things so that's where i think the myth of stress thing gets really interesting or sorry his updated uh what is the book called now it's still the myth of stress you put me on the spot i did put you on the spot well we'll figure it out and we'll make sure we uh we include that in the show notes um but i always i always struggle with this whole should statement thing because in a lot of ways i actually worry that it ends up kind of almost turning into this rationalization or excuse um, so I do. Okay, so it's called breaking the stress cycle. Um, so I think it's really important to do the exercise, but understand that you're not looking for an excuse or a rationalization. You're looking for how to do better going forward or how to go forward from right. whatever it is. And actions, right? So it's, you know, thinking, you know, well, do I want to do this again? This is a question I'm sort of toying with here. You know, do I want to push for another year at this elite race? Or do I want to move on and do something else? Maybe, you know, most of the riding I like to do is is gravel and more adventures. So maybe, maybe that's what I do. Or maybe I do want to push, right? And then if I do, what are the things that, well, I probably need to race a few more times, right? I probably need to do my, uh, we didn't really do any volume last year at all. So, I mean, put in the base, so to speak, right? So I start getting action steps out of that. Uh, if I want to compete, if I want to set that goal, right? And, and so that's where we want to go back. And then we can say, in reality, at this time, you know, I shouldn't have done very well at nationals, right? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, some stuff in in this case, you know, what happened to you with your crash, like that's that could happen whether or not you should have done well or shouldn't have done well. Or right? sure. like, people crash th- leading races at the best of their fitness all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's also just the if every race again when according to plan racing would be super boring so at some point you just have to kind of accept that in endurance sport in racing stuff is going to go wrong that's just yeah that's yeah. just kind of the natural way racing <laughs> racing rolls apologies for anyone hearing <laughs> squeaking in the background dw just got a new uh squid toy that he's very excited about <laughs> so and i think the other thing that you know as you know we're not elites we're not getting paid for the most people listening uh so we also want to think why are we going to these events right is there a social element or maybe like the travel or the adventure i was talking to a client this morning and they want to do uh some of these more stage race mountain bike things and so for them it's you know that tour or that experiential i can never say that experiential. word experiential uh 
part of it, right? And he does want to do well and he wants to be fit and there's fitness goals. There's maybe, you know, as we get closer, there'll be some sort of results outcome goal as well. Uh, but a lot of it is like he wants to go ride some really good trails. You know, he wants to ride with some good people. You know, it's basically like being at summer camp. So he wins just by showing up. And then throughout the whole year, you know, he's enjoying the training process, right? And this is, he's on the path, you know, he's doing the stuff he needs to be doing, you know, the gear and the, all the stuff we talked about in the intro so that it's a success, right? And again, it's not that he can't charge hard and he can't be mad if he, you know, misses the win he was trying to go for. Uh, but there's more to it than that, right? Especially as we get, you know, again, we're not getting paid. We're not getting the Olympic medal, right? But even in that case, the one, the athletes that have stuck around for a long time, and I think the successful athletes definitely have, again, you could call this a why, uh, beyond just the, the, the Olympic medal, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think on a practical level, so post-race, uh, we sort of alluded to this with the breaking the stress cycle worksheet mentality. I do think the, the post-race, we'll call it a journaling exercise. Um, I'm a big fan. If you don't like the should statements, I like the, you know, five things that we'll call it went wrong or like could have gone better if you want a softer way of looking at it. And then five things that went well, because I think even in a bad race, you could usually find a few things that went according to plan. And I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately where it might seem at first glance that everything just sucked. It was a terrible race. Um, but you know, maybe you finally found the right pair of shoes that you were super comfortable in or, you know, let's let's get a little gross maybe you're like pre-race poop went perfectly you know what i'm gonna call that a win i'm gonna put that in my win column uh, and i think once you do that you can sort of look at your race in a in a bit of a different light it's a big gratitude journaling i i recognize but you know in your case you had a great start um you know that that went well like well and it strikes me that you're in this when we talk about the journey, the journey is never over, right? That's sort of the trick until it's over and it's going to be over for all of us, right? But the idea is you're, you're trying to put together that like solid race, right? That solid race. And that might be all the things you just talked about go really, really well. And you, you just race to the best of your ability. Your win might not be a win. It might be just, you know, whatever it is, top 10. It might be, you know, feeling really your good, PB. you know, just smooth, right? Or, or completing something even. But it strikes me that what you're saying is, you know, this wasn't a 0%. We didn't get a 0% grade. Maybe you got you a C, up. you know, if we use this, the school analogy, right? So maybe you were at like a 50% or a 60%, right? And it's, you know, probably given your experience, it's maybe not that bad, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, next time come back and you're looking, you know, to, to build on that, right? And maybe there's a couple of focus things that are going to help you know, maybe now your warm up isn't, you don't even have to think about it, right? You know how to get warm and sweating and get to the line on time. But now it's that start, right? And it's like clipping in, you know, dealing with the pack. And that's, that's everything, right? That's all the workouts you're, you know, once or twice a week, that's the most important thing for you, right? And then once you get past that, it's okay, how do I survive? And I'm just speaking to like mountain bike racing, but you know, a full lap. Can right. you put together one good lap, right? And then yeah. we can build from there, right? Or a technical feature or, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Maybe for you, it's race nerves, or as you say, maybe it's poos and going to the washroom. Very important thing. We laugh, but I mean, that is an important part of the, Darn right. you know, the success. So, And the last thing I was thinking about this, and you reminded me when you said your grade was a C, I think a lot of people enter their goal race, maybe without 
a couple of goals in mind. So even your A race of the year should probably have an A, B, and C goal. And you and I have talked about this on the show before. We've talked about it together in a car going to events before. Uh, this idea of, okay, your your A goal is to hit this certain time. So for, for me, I'll talk about the LaCloche FKT this summer that I was going for and did not go according to plan, we'll say. You know, in the car on the way up, I said I wanted to go under 11. And then I had sort of a couple arbitrary goals that came after that. But like they were like, go under 11.15, go under 11.30. And that was my B and C goal. And that didn't really make sense. Like, and the way you kind of, you said to me, I should think about it is the A goal is to go under 11. The B goal is to finish the run. Right. Uh, And for me, that's what I needed to do that day. And I like it worked out fine. Uh, But having that sort of that realistic tiered goal so at least you can go for something if things start falling apart. Because if, if suddenly I was going for 1130 uh, as my seagull and it's 12 hours in as it was, that's not exactly super helpful. Yeah. And I tend to, I think there's probably different sports and different philosophies, but I think the finishing is often like a worthwhile pursuit, right? And it's, I, I always respect, you know, when you have a, you think like Yolanda Naff is pretty good at that in, in mountain bike racing. Like she's the Olympic champion, but you know, has races where she's back in, you know, I don't know what she was. I don't want to misrepresent that, but say 12, she wasn't winning. She wasn't in the lead pack, but still just slugging it out. Right. And, and not dropping out more mm-hmm. importantly. Right. And, and you, there are, you know, we would say successful, you know, top pros who just would drop out or, or very much not try. Right. Right. Like, it's even the trying. It's not even like the finishing, but like, finishing the best you can on that day and Mm -hmm. seeing value in that uh, versus having ego about it. I think that's essentially ego uh, why you might drop out. Right. So that the cameras aren't like, Oh, you know, this person's back in 20th, you know, what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus like, nah, it's just a day. Right. I got a, you know, I didn't get my pedal and I crashed or I felt sick or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I finished. Right. And so that's now you have a finish. Right. And again, when we get to that grade, it's like, well, if you only have zero percents, that's a harder place to start from. But if you have a couple fifties, you know, we can build from that. Right. And those are all accumulated experience. Yes. Awesome. All right. So that's sort of our general, how to deal with the bad race. If you have any, you know, further questions on that or comments on how you, you cope with the bad race, we would love to hear it. You can hit us up over on Instagram at consummate athlete, or send us a message through our contact form on consummateathlete.com. Um, I think it's a super interesting topic and, you know, one that we all have to have to deal with. Uh, and then the last thing before we close out for today is uh, maybe we'll even save the full discussion of this for next time, but we're starting to think about 2022 goals, obviously. It's getting to that time of year for a lot of us. Um, and how to set the big scary goal. So this is kind of a, on the heels of this how to handle a bad race. Um, I think there's also the or how to handle a bad A race even. Um, how do you set the the big scary goal? And we talk all the time about these audacious goals and big scary goals and and whatnot um but there's there's a fine line between setting a goal that's just so unrealistic and so just maybe too big for where you're at right now uh versus a goal that is a stretch goal but it actually makes sense with both where you're at and then what you're able to do back to the can you prepare for the goal you have set Mm -hmm. do you want to um so i'll uh, i'll be doing an article on this coming up next week but it's kind of basing it on my own 
experience because I've decided I've signed up for a hundred miler for mid February of 2022. I'm very excited. Um, Peter is less excited. DW is slightly concerned, um, but it should be really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I've kind of had to, I had to sit down and answer those questions for myself before I hit the submit button on the registration to sort of think through like, you know, do I have the time to prepare for this? Do I want to? And the answer to both of those was yes. And then thinking through, am I prepared for this? Is this, is this a reasonable goal to set? Well, I've done a few Ironmans. I've done, you know, multiple 50 Ks. I've done multiple 50 milers. I've done a hundred K and handled all of them. So. Right. So I think what you're saying is, you know, you've, you've, done something that's similar right and I, I usually ask that on our goal setting sheet and then also just for new clients you know trying to rank you know how challenging is this goal going to be for someone so I think the question on the intake form is something like you know what have you done like this or have you done this goal before right so not not you know it could be again I've been top 10 in nationals all the time so not to overuse us as examples but that sometimes that's easy you know, well, and I think sometimes it's better because I can slam myself a lot easier than I can sure. slam. And a- so trying to fit a top 10 nationals in when I've done it, you know, 10 times in a row, you know, it's challenging as shown by this year. <laughs> uh, it's not getting easier, but it's, I've done it before. I know a lot of the things They, you know, the gear isn't weird. The, where I'm racing, I've raced at numerous times, right? There's not a lot of new stuff to learn. So fitting that around the rest of my life isn't necessarily, you know, this year was challenging, but, uh, you know, isn't the same as if I was like, I'm going to be, you know, an obstacle course racer and I've never obstacle course, but I'm going to do the 24 hour obstacle course race where there's all this stuff to learn, all this equipment to accumulate. You've never raced. You don't even know, you know, I don't even know what the, what it's called. How much does it cost? Where do I have to go? You know, I think it's in the States. Uh, and then you have no experience, right? So it's like when you talk about that 0% or 50% race, like I don't even have a 5K, but I'm going to do a 24-hour one. And I've never even done, you know, I've done one 24-hour event in my life uh, solo, but, you know, not on foot, you know, where they're making me jump into water. And also stuff. 20 years ago, but that's besides So you can see how that would get overwhelming, right? And it's like, but also you have to, you know, you have your family and you have your work, right? And so, again, it's not like if I was just going if I was 20 and had no family and was just going to decide to do this, you know, I could probably figure that out in a year, you know, you know, and just start training and you go and get the right coaches and train in the right gym and train with, you know, the right people. But when you have all this other stuff, you got to be careful. And again, this is where I have a client today. I was talking to who's great. He's done this race five times, 80 K version. He wants to do the 110 version. There's a, a belt buckle or something you get if you're in the top 20. And I said, well, why not next year? And he said, no, I want to do better at the 80 first. I want to stick at this 80 and, and really like compete at this 80 before I upgrade, so to speak. And then I'll go like, that's like a two, three year. And we talked about family and work and how that sort of fit nicely with that goal. I love it. So I think when, are you ready? I think depends a lot on that. Like, have you done the thing before? And then if not, then, you know, five and 10 K runs are a great place to start. Um, before you run marathons, right? This is pretty understood. You know, sprint ma- sprint triathlons, you know, shorter marathon mountain bikes. You know, we don't need to rush to more volume all the time. No, and I will say maybe the, the slam on myself here is that I certainly don't need to continue to go 
further and further and further. And I think I've made the argument for me, this is actually like a pretty big psychological thing uh, in that I actually would like to go shorter. Like I want to go into more 50 milers, but I want the confidence of having done a hundred miler because I think that'll actually allow me to race harder at the 50 mile. And that's more my motivation than anything else. Well, and it's been, you know, you talked to David, I recall on the podcast, and that's probably three years ago at least. And he, we, you guys were talking about Leadville and he's very like, you know, enthusiastic about stuff. And he even said then, you know, this is a three, four year thing. And so you're, you're knocking on that. You're not even doing Leadville, um, which might actually be easier than the way I'm not sure, but that's a, that's, that a, that's, a, altitude, that's an aside. <laughs> uh, but that's the idea, right? Is like you've run, you've done lots of big runs, you know, you've done lots of stuff. You have a great training group. So, you know, I think, it checks a lot of those boxes and it's ultimately your decision, you know, what the thing is, if it's motivating, if it's not, is your body ready? And with running especially, but I would say anything you, the, the, if you, if you throw a lot of, you know, we try and train like NFL players now, or we try and train like tour de France athletes. Now you're really going to stymie that total, like how far, how high your, your potential is going to be, right? That's, I think, pretty well understood. A lot of people talk about that. I know David talks about that in the happy runner and just, you don't need to do, the hundred mile, you know, the, the stuff you're seeing on the internet right now, start where you are because you're going to get so much better just by doing five runs a week instead of three. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I even read that and I was like, damn, I got to start, you know, I should just do short runs. I'm going to do some extra 10 minute runs. That's exactly what happened to you the last time you read it. Well, Two years ago. Yeah. I mean, 100%. frequency is my favorite training it variable. Is. Yeah. So all that to say, hopefully that's helpful. You know, you were thinking about what have you done? What do you want to do? Point A, point B. That's what we talk about in our book. And and can you step towards that? And do you have to step really aggressively now? Or should you get, you know, again, what else would you do? I like that's Alexi Pappas talks about, you know, I'm glad I didn't achieve all my goals today because what would I do tomorrow? I love that. Right. And I think that's, you know, a little, you know, I would have liked to maybe get my goal. But again, you still have tomorrow. You still have next year. Give mm-hmm. yourself time, right? So it might be some half marathons. If you're just starting running and you're tempted to do like a full road marathon because that's what everyone does and they want to know your marathon time, just don't. <laughs> just do a half marathon really well, really fast. Train for 10Ks all year, 5 10Ks. Train, 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 speed, speed, speed. Build your volume gradually, your frequency. Nail one half marathon and then next year, you know, ponder if you want to increase. I've said it before. If there's one thing I could go back and yell at my younger self, it would be that you don't need to do an Ironman at like Ironman at 23. I think I was when I did it 23 Mm -hmm. or 24. I did not need to do that distance, but it was just one of those things where in the triathlon world, everyone immediately goes like, oh, so you've done an Ironman. And when you say no, people are like, oh, so you're not really a triathlete, which is crap. No, like complete and utter crap. Like Olympic gold medalists in triathlon. And I have a lot of respect. Like this, the short triathlons are so athletic and so fast. I was just saying to a friend the other day, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a hundred miler because a 5k seems way too hard. Yeah. And I legitimately believe that. Yeah. No, like, it, it doesn't sound, I, I mean, a road marathon can be hard, like a little intimidating with a big group of people, but 
it, it's more like you can just be there for fun and you know stopping at aid stations but like 5k is <laughs> everyone is going really fast off the line like even if you just try and visualize yourself standing there and you're like everyone right now is going to run as hard as they can for 20 minutes are you ready no that seems so much harder <laughs> like, even oh if my it's gosh. your thing you're probably you know shaking yeah. a little bit here thinking yeah about exactly. that. i'm like my heart rate might have just spiked there oh the last thing i want to say on this before we close out is the one funny thing has been, as I've been telling a few people about this new goal on my horizon here, the number, like, it's interesting, the groups of, like, runners versus maybe non-runners, but even the runners I know. Everyone keeps asking me, have you started training for it yet? Right. As though I, like, haven't been running consistently for the past, like, four. So I keep trying to say, like, yeah, for four years. Because to me, like that's that's what I've been training for. Like, right. I've been just steadily being consistent with my run volume, and it's you know crept up over the last four years. Which I think is again part of this idea is when you're planning on how big you can go. It's it's sort of like what is your level now? I, I often say to clients, you know, the you can use your fitness however you want. You know, assuming it's again you're not me trying to do obstacle racing, twenty four hour races, and I haven't you know started training uh, you're not doing that by the um, way i feel like this is going to be problematic we're going to turn it off he's going to be like molly i've made a new goal for myself no um but if you're already a, a mountain biker or a you know you, you ride gravel or road or whatever you do then you know in in six to eight weeks i'd prefer a bit more time a bit more knowledge but that's what we say you know you can sort of do the base as long as your base of fitness is strong then you can be specific the specific specific preparation phase or what we might call it you might call it a build or you might call it whatever you want to call it uh eight weeks out six weeks out you know you just get a little more specific with that right and that's that's the idea so yeah you, you you've got your base you're, you're always working on that level and then you can get specific and polish it off you know you could go 10k you could go you know move it in either direction mm -hmm. yeah with but running almost... especially right then that's the it just takes years to build up the muscles and the bones and the ligaments and the neuromuscular ability and this almost kind of brings us full circle back to that like just do one percent more like that is a crap piece of advice that i am not following for this well i'll be doing yeah. more but it's because it's on my training plan not because i'm listening to a motivational thing that told me to arbitrarily go 10% okay. further or 1% more or one more. Well, I mean, you can rest harder. I think that was our 10% more rest for everyone. All about the naps. I hope that fits into your lifestyle and you're granted that time. <laughs> um, yeah. So anything else today? Any other reminders for folks? You, you didn't, did you mention the book club? No, I yeah. should, I should end with that. So actually. in closing the book club is coming back or is back. Yes. The book club, the athletic bookworms we're back. We're having our first meeting on Thursday, October 28th. So this coming Thursday, uh, you can still sign up for it. You can head over to consummateathlete.com. Just search book club. Uh, our first book is Where There's a Will uh, by Emily Chappelle. We actually have Emily coming on the podcast next week and people who are signed up for the book club. And you can sign up even if you can't make our Zoom meeting on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can still sign up and I'm going to be sending out a super exclusive uh, bonus interview with her where we're actually just talking about sort of writing and the book and more more of the bookwormy type stuff versus her actual ultra endurance background which we cover on the podcast episode that's coming okay. out so this could support the 10 percent more rest and you know reading getting some reading time in enjoying yeah. the rainy cool cool mornings maybe you're getting the book read so there you go maybe another idea mm -hmm. before your fall 
I'm excited for it. So hopefully I will see a bunch of you on Thursday on Zoom. I am very much looking forward to it. All right. With that in mind, consummateathlete.com for all the show notes, et cetera, et cetera. And thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.